we knew we wanted to go back to San Diego and we wanted to be as close to the beach as possible. And it was kind of one of those things where we were just like going into Zillow and looking what was out there. And you know how sometimes just for fun, you like just make your budget just a little bit higher just to see like, what would we get if we spent this much or this much? And when we raised that budget bar, duplexes started showing up in our search results. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. It's 11.32 p.m. on a Thursday night and you wake up in a panic. You forgot to send your guests the custom lockbox combination for your Airbnb and you missed the 17 messages they sent saying that they couldn't get in because you enabled sleep mode on your iPhone. You know, to try and cut down on scream time before bed and all. After apologizing profusely and sending them a bottle of bubbly in hopes that they won't leave you a one-star review, you think to yourself, how do other hosts stay on top of guest communications? The answer? They use Guesty for Hosts, an easy-to-use rental management platform. With features like automated messages that send important communications to guests at the exact right times, you'll never have to jeopardize your beauty sleep again. Guesty for Hosts allows short-term rental hosts to manage listings from Airbnb, VRBO, and Booking.com in one calendar and send a series of automated messages before, during, and after the guests stay. The platform also has features that help you manage cleanings, build a custom booking website, and so much more. You can start your 14-day free trial today, no credit card or setup fee or commitment required, and you can cancel anytime if you don't love it. And it gets even better. While getting started for the first time, use the discount code SPONSTANIUS for 20% off your first year. Again, that's SPONSTANIUS. Use that discount code at checkout for 20% off your first year. In just a moment, you'll meet Steven and Kylie Niederhauser, the founders of Arrivals. Arrivals is a boutique vacation rentals management company based in San Diego, California. Stephen and Kylie have always loved to travel. They are the kind of people that would rather book a last minute getaway abroad than wine and dine at California's latest Michelin star restaurant. After traveling in Europe for over four years, they decided to move to San Diego. They really wanted to live near Mission Beach, but weren't sure how to make it work financially. And that's when the idea came to them. What if they bought a duplex and rented half of the house out as an Airbnb? And while they didn't know it at the time, this idea would ultimately enable the couple to leave their jobs and build one of Southern California's top-rated collections of short-term rentals. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet Stephen and Kylie. All right, Stephen and Kylie. Welcome to the show. I'm glad we resolved these technical difficulties. Turns out <laughs> uh, it's important to listen to your computer when it says uh, there's an update, huh? Always keep up with your updates. Gotta do it. <laughs> no, I we don't. Automatic, but uh, you know, I guess this was one we had to do ourselves. So. Yes. 
Ah, don't you love it? Well, um, I'm super excited to talk with you all about the story of Arrivals. But before we dive into that, I always like asking folks that come on the show to talk a little bit about their very first time staying at an Airbnb or another short-term rental. Where did you guys go the first time you stayed in an Airbnb? What was the experience like? And you know, what was what was the property like? Like, what kind of house did you stay in? Yeah, so the first time for us, it was in Spain. It was uh, the Chris, Christmas of 2013, I think it was. Yeah, it was It was when we were living in Germany, and it was the only Christmas that we decided not to fly home. Oh, wow. And so we wanted to do something and not just you know stay at home with just the two of us. So we did a trip all through Andalusia in, the, in southern Spain. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, that was our first Airbnb in Sevilla. It was like, I think it was on Christmas Day that we checked yeah. in. Yeah, so it was, it was actually kind of cool to, you know, it was our first experience. The hosts were, were great. We took a train from Madrid, Spain to Sevilla, and they met us at the train station and they took us, took us, you know, they thought we were probably, you know, dumb Americans. You know, so <laughs> they, they, they were really nice, though. They took us to the house and showed us around and, and it was it was a great place. It was a little one bedroom apartment and, um, you know, it right was simple. But it was, you know, clean and comfortable and it had everything we needed. So. And it was in the central location of the city. So like we, we walked everywhere. And it, it worked out really well. Do you guys remember why you decided to check out Airbnb as opposed to just staying in a hotel? Like, it, you know, what was what was the thinking at times? Was it like we want a place to be able to like cook a Christmas dinner or like what was why? Yeah, why, yeah. Why, that oh, was okay. exactly it. Yeah, it was we wanted to be able to make it feel kind of homey like mm. a holiday and cook something or you know wake up and make breakfast in the morning and and not feel like we were in a hotel because we were a little bit nervous spending you yeah. know not spending our holidays with families for the first time and so yeah that's exactly why yeah and we we'd heard about it you know from other friends and we 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 knew the experience and it's it's a thing where you know, just having a living room, having a kitchen and, and having more of your own space versus a hotel room is, is what sold us, you know, and, and we've kind of never looked back from that. Yeah, it is. It is funny. I feel like after you do it, I feel like the first couple times is always like, uh, you know, but by by the third time where you've opted, you've self-selected to stay in a short term rental as opposed to a hotel, when you do find yourself back in a hotel, it's, it's just so hard. It's like, damn it. Like I don't have the space I need. Like I have to eat out. Mm -hmm. Like I have to spend $7 on yeah. a water bottle, you know, like all the, all the things that, um, that you take for granted when you stay at a short term <laughs> rental, especially a short term rental that is like being like managed well. Um, it really is sort of this like night and day difference. I travel a fair amount for, for work and I have convinced my company to, put us all up in Airbnbs now because we actually save money because we can cram a couple people, a few people into, you know, a nice four bedroom Airbnb mm -hmm. as opposed yeah. to, you know, buying individual hotel rooms for everybody. So anyways, uh, I digress, but, uh, yeah. great, great. That's first a big thing. We had a similar experience, you know, Oh, sorry. sorry I, think I think we kind of overlapped each other there maybe with the, yeah. the network, but I, we had a similar experience. We were on a work trip once and, um, you know, we convinced our employer to, to and Kylie went with. And We were actually, it was, again, when we were living in Germany, Stephen had a project in, um, in France. So we spent a six-week period there and then another four-week period there. 
and we ended up doing an Airbnb with um, with a couple of different rooms, and yeah, it worked out really well. It did yeah, that's so cool. I uh, can't wait to get into the whole story of arrivals. And again, I I think we first connected on Instagram, and I've I've stalked you all a bit. So so many questions for you on uh, how you've <laughs> built your your budding growing empire. Um, but before we dive into the arrival story, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you all. So from your website, I learned that you spent, sounds like the better part of four years traveling around Europe. So why why did you do that? Like what led you guys to to live abroad in the first place? So we... We'd been traveling like I, I had a job, an engineering job where I was traveling a lot for work and accumulating frequent flyer miles and status. And he was going to Asia. And, he was going to Asia a lot. And yeah. So earning a lot of miles on those trips. So that's what kind of like inspired us to start traveling. So, you know, when Kylie and I met, we pretty much we started traveling. We were young and, and we just that was the thing to do. Um, as far as Germany, I had that same engineering job had the opportunity to live and work in Munich. And so that that chance came up and we said, Hey, you know, let's let's go. So we, we did uh, that was in 2013. And, and we moved and loved it. You know, it was time time flew by there. It was it was awesome being able just just to be immersed in a different culture, but but also the exposure, you know, to close proximity to everywhere in Europe. So it was, it was really cool. I think I told my mom that we were going to go for a year <laughs> and then <laughs> we just ended up loving it. And then the year flew by and we're like, oh, let's just stay. And then four years and yeah. yeah. Now, and a, where, and a baby. Four yeah. years and a baby. baby. <laughs> Jeez, that's yeah. incredible. Now, where are you both originally from? Like, was this, had you spent, had you traveled much growing up or was this sort of like the first big adventurous leap that you both took? I grew up in Iowa, um, small, small a town. tiny town, and I'd, I'd moved to California uh, as an intern in college and did a couple of internships and then um, kind of knew, you know, that I really liked San Diego, had, had the opportunity to work for the same company I was doing the internships with. So that's where I ended up in San Diego. And Kylie, I'll let you tell. Yeah, tell I, I grew up in Southern California uh, in Palm Springs area. And then moved to San Diego for college and met Stephen right after college. And um, yeah, I, I did some traveling in Europe with my family growing up. I'd never been. Stephen yeah. had never been. You really got your first taste of international travel through work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we when we started traveling together just while we were dating, we just we were hooked. We were using huh. up every vacation day that we had. And then we'd like try and scrap together like a Friday night trip to France and we'd come home Monday morning and then walk into work on Monday morning. And we were just <laughs> any chance we could, any last minute deal we were taking on that opportunity for sure. Yeah. I started paying attention a lot to like the points and miles, you know, game of, of frequent flyer, you know, status and whatnot. And so we were, we we're just chasing deals and finding deals and we're like, well, let's go. You and know, then when so. the the Munich opportunity came up to move there, we just thought this is perfect. Yeah, you know, we we don't have any kids. We're going to be right there. We can just go off whenever we want, and it's a quick trip. Yeah, so that's incredible. Yeah, the uh, the points and miles game is 
is so dangerous because it doesn't take that long <laughs> to learn how to play it, right? And then once you do, yeah. you're like, wow, I could fly to Paris for $380 right now or this yeah. weekend. Like, yeah. that's like a, you know, a really expensive night out with some friends for dinner, right? And, and you, you, exactly. start to, you start to justify relate it, it. Yeah. Relate it in that way. You know, it's like we were, we were comparing, yeah to entertainment and nights out in San Diego. We're like, well, let's just, let's just go somewhere. I mean, so we, we took some international trips. We took a lot of trips around the U S too, just to went to New York, went to Philadelphia, went to Miami, like just wherever, you know, if there was like a a good, good flight deal that came up, we we would just go. So. Especially when we were like on the verge of just making um, like airline status again. Like, oh, we got to <laughs> yeah. take a couple more trips so that we get that that level for next year. So. Oh, yes. I, I know it too well. And yeah, they get yep. you. It, it becomes addicting a little bit. Um, it does. But uh, so a few weeks ago, my wife Gabby and I had the incredible privilege of staying in Rockaway House, which is this super cool, you know, spacious one bed, one bath apartment that is literally steps from mission beach in san diego i feel like just by the way that a lot of airbnbs that are near the beach will say steps from this one is like (laughs) actually steps from uh so just want to point that out but um you know it's it's my understanding that this was the very first airbnb that you both had since then You've founded Arrivals, which is this wonderful collection of short-term rentals in Southern California and Arizona. And then I think you guys have even expanded beyond Arizona now, if I if I read your website correctly. But um, tell us the story. Like, what, what were the events that led up to purchasing the Rockaway House? And had you always intended to turn it into an Airbnb? Like, did you buy it with that intention or... Why did you acquire the home? How did you come across it? And what was the experience of renovating it and ultimately listing it on Airbnb like? So it started when we were in Germany. Mm-hmm. We, um, our son was born in Germany. And, you know, in the first few months, we just, it, four years had gone by, you know, that we'd been there. And we kind of realized that there was time, you know, to, to think about coming back. And we, we knew we were just we always knew we'd never live there forever. So anyways, um, we wanted our son to be close to family and all that. Sure. Sure. We kind of just started looking, we knew we wanted to go back to San Diego and we wanted to be as close to the beach as possible. And it was kind of one of those things where we were just like going into Zillow and looking what was out there. And you know how sometimes just for fun, you like just make your budget just a little bit higher to see like, we spent this much or this much. And when we raised that budget bar, duplexes started showing up in our search results. Ah, And then I think that just kind of like light bulb went off and we were like, Oh, a friend, a friend had bought a duplex probably about a year prior to that. in the sort of Morena point point Loma area of, of San Diego. So he was doing that. He was, he was living in half and, and renting the other half. And so we kind of knew the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in mission beach, it was just an opportunity for us to like, you know, feel better about the price that we were paying for the house. Um, it, it's obviously expensive and knowing that we would have this income stream, you know, from Airbnb or vacation rentals was, was what kind of sold us on it. So we knew up front that that's, that's what we would kind of have to do 
to to support ourselves there, you know, and make make them help make the mortgage payment. So we um, we'd found that place. Kylie's mom is a realtor and we were still in Germany. And so we sent her to look at it. It was in bad shape. And she uh, was like, I don't know if I want my grandson to live here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's. It was, it's a cot. So it's two units. It's a cottage that was built like in the 1930s. And then it's a, a unit over the garage. And that was built like in the late fifties. And so not a whole lot had been done to either of them probably since like the seventies. Um, so it was, you know, you kind of had to look past that. And so her mom checked it out and we said, okay, you know, Let's we're still, it. we're still interested. Um, so we actually made an offer on the place like sight on scene to us wow and um and then we were just getting back basically we knew we we're you know that timeline and so we we were there through kind of the inspection period of the house and like um and closing and, and everything like that but it was it was uh yeah kind of just a, a roller coaster experience the seller was a little bit di- difficult and um but we ended up getting had tenants that we had to struggle to get out yeah there's there's all the things that could happen pretty much happened oh my Um, gosh but from there you know we we jumped right into renovating the upstairs unit the rockaway house where you stayed zach and it was you know we we had wanted and needed to get that done as quickly as possible Mm -hmm. to start getting some income coming our way so i think that process took about eight to ten weeks um and we just completely revamped the place and and then it was February of 2018. Um, that we got, launched on Airbnb. Got that yeah. first guess. So. Wow. Now, I, I have to ask, right? You guys are, are talking about this as if you, you're you in Europe, you're, you send your mom to go look at the house, you, a little bit you know, of trouble acquiring the house, uh, difficulty with the owner, yada, yada. But you finally get there. And then just in eight to 10 weeks, you you know renovate it and list it on Airbnb. Like, how, how did you know how to <laughs> renovate a like? Had you renovated homes before? Did you have a bunch of friends that knew how to do like electrical fixes up or whatever? Like, like how did you know what you were doing? It was a mix. So like, obviously, He's very I'm, handy. I'm a mechanical engineer. And so, you know, I feel Gives you a like leg up a little bit at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the day we closed escrow, I put a new roof <laughs> on, on the cottage because it was leaking like crazy. I'm like, well, our family can't live here if, if the roof is leaking. But <laughs> so I like, we did a lot of like YouTube university where we're like, nice. okay, we need to install this today. Let's figure out how to do it. And then watch a whole lot of video <laughs> and then go try it ourselves. But, but at that same time, I had a pretty high demand, you know, career job and, and I, it was tough. So we hired a lot of that work done um, at the Rockaway house. I did everything. For the upstairs. For the upstairs. Yeah. yeah. I did everything I could, um, you know, but a lot of that work was hired out just because we knew the timeline, you know, sure. like yeah. I could have, I could have, you know, putzed with it in the spare time that I did have, but it would have just drawn things out. And so, so we hired a lot of that work and that's how it got done so quickly. Yeah. It's, I mean, but it, along the, you know, along the way, I guess, you know, with that experience, I picked up, more and you know more and more knowledge and as as you know we'll talk about as we grew grew our property portfolio it's just one of those things where it's like you find face a problem you have to solve it and you come up with a solution then you know how to solve that problem next time you know so i what, what's funny is uh i've you know talked to a number of short-term rental hosts and what 
the, the number of people that like went to YouTube for their like renovation education is remarkable. Like mm-hmm. I, I want to yeah. say it's like upwards of 75% of folks sure. literally learned how to, you know, put shiplap up via YouTube or literally learned how to, you know, change out their sink for a, a farm sink on YouTube. Like it's, it's remarkable um, actually. And it, it, you know, Hopefully, most of them did enough learning before before they went and installed these appliances. But uh, we haven't run into any major issues or anything, thank God. But uh, it's just so impressive. It's so impressive what people who, again, don't have backgrounds in home renovation can do mm-hmm. thanks to the power of the Internet. Yeah, no, it's great. And I mean, we just kind of, you know, because of my background, I've just never really been intimidated yeah. by, you know, home projects. And there's a lot of people that, that they are, but... I was never intimidated by it. So I just figured, you know, it's information that I can find on the internet and, and turn that into something that we can do ourselves. So, so, so of all the, uh, of all the stays, you know, my wife and I have, have been in over the past year since we've been living on Airbnb, um, we've encountered lots of cool, you know, appliances and some, you know, the way that, that, uh, short-term rental owners think about, architecting and crafting spaces has been just remarkable, but I don't think that we've come across a shower head quite like the one <laughs> in the Rockaways bathroom. And it was, it was almost like intimidating at first. Cause like, Whoa, <laughs> like, and I, I, I like looked up. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? Like, and yet it was an incredible shower. So like, first and foremost, like, how did you find this shower head? And was it like a, very intentional like purchase like did you have some vision for i don't know the the shower or the bathtub that most people don't like talk us through that that decision i think one of one of the things that we've seen in europe is like there's a lot of old buildings a lot of old construction a lot of like sort of not so great water pressure and and one of the things i guess it's good about mission beach is the water pressure is really high huh. and so that that helps, you know, just that the city's water pressure is high. But um, we found that just browsing the internet. I wanted something black. I was trying to stick with black hardware in there. And it was like, it was kind of like when black, like matte black was just kind of starting to trend. Uh, and there weren't really as many options as there are now. So I think that one's like a dark black gray stainless or, something or something like something. that. But and Stephen ended up finding it, and we were we just thought it was really cool. <laughs> yeah. But so it's funny though because we were living downstairs, and it was still you know the old nineteen fifties unrenovated like that shower. I was scared it was gonna like fall through the floor sometimes because <laughs> it was like, such bad shape. And we lived there for a year before we renovated downstairs. But anytime I could shower upstairs, like you bet I was up there if yeah. you had an open night or something i was taking advantage of that yeah. shower and we bought the same the same shower fixture when we did do the renovation mm-hmm. of the downstairs unit because we liked it guests liked it so we're like yeah we gotta it, do that again it's it's remarkable but i feel like it's also dangerous because people aren't going to want to get out of the shower so like the water bill is going to go you know <laughs> the water bill you know that that's one of the things when we, when we bought the second one i guess there's some you know regulations on water consumption and you know that's that's a thing but it had came with like a restrictor inside. And I don't know if you're supposed to tell people. I don't know. Maybe it's illegal. (laughs) That that restrictor fell out um, when when we were 
it fell out during shipping and we were, it was a happy surprise. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll keep that on the DL. If you're listening to this, don't share this with the, the rest of the world, please. Um, <laughs> so a couple other questions about the, the Rockway, which you, you all now call the Rockway North, if I'm not mistaken, um, because the uh, unit below you also rent on Airbnb um, mm-hmm. and, and through other short-term rental sites. But last couple questions on, on the space itself that we stayed in. So one of the most like striking things that you notice right when you walk into the space, or at least that I noticed, um, was this cool like print in the kitchen. And you've got this like older man and he's holding up like two fish to his face. And the way that he's like holding the fish, the fish eyes sort of like, I don't know, become his own eyes, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm curious, like, it's it's a really cool piece. It's also, like, random. And I, I, I find that, like, typically there's, like, a story or, you know, e- even if it was, like, hey, we were walking down a random strip mall one day and just stumbled upon it and thought, we got to get this. Like, where did this print come from? Is this is there any sort of, like, significance behind this piece? Yeah, yeah. it's actually, like really special to us. Oh, good. I'm glad I asked. Um, yeah, I'm glad that you noticed and that you liked it. It's funny. It's kind of one of those like things where we didn't know if people were just going to think that it was way too off and random and what is it doing here in this kitchen at the beach, but um when we lived in Munich, we had a favorite restaurant there and it's called Der Dantler and yeah, we loved it. It was any chance we could have like a little date night or whatever, we would always go there. Mm-hmm. And they had it hanging on the wall in the restaurant, a really like huge blown up version. And I think I was getting a little bit like sentimental before we left. And I wanted to like gather all the mementos to bring back to the States with us. And I asked them if they could sell us or give us like a digital copy. Cause I said, I want to make like a poster out of it and hang it in our house someday. And they said, no, and then the next time I asked again, and that time they said, well, we could sell you a poster. So they sold us a poster wow. and then we had it like resized, like a little bit bigger. Um, we kind of came to know, I mean, we were like, we, we'd frequented this restaurant where I think they kind of- It was of, very small. They, they, they knew us, maybe we knew them, but it's the one of the guys who's a chef and the owner- it's his uncle, apparently, that uh, they, they took that photo of him. So wow. it's, I don't know, it's just like a cool, cool story for us. Anyone who asks, we're, we're it's we're happy to tell that story. It's it's good memories of, of our time in Germany. Wonderful. Now, I, I'm glad I asked then. It's, it is such a cool, like, striking, like, print, too. Like, like when you walk in, you know, it's a, you, it's a, you guys have done such a great job with the apartment. It's very clean. It's very modern. It's very um functional as a space which is super super important especially in you know slightly smaller spaces and Mm -hmm. oftentimes i feel like people uh a temptation is to for is to play it safe and you know i don't know add some add like the cookie cutter like the standard um like wildebeest what what is the what is the uh print that literally every airbnb has buffalo ikea this cow the cow is like a buffalo or something yeah yeah it's like a wild beast everybody has that um and you guys you know took took it i think that's something that we noticed in in europe too like all the airbnbs it's all the ikea prints yeah you know you see them (laughs) you see them pasted over a lot of the different Airbnbs over there. So mm-hmm. we know you wanted something unique and yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. So 
you renovate Rockaway North, um, although you know, eventually becomes Rockaway North once you finish uh, renovating mm-hmm. Rockaway South and then put that on the market. Um, but you know, it's it's one thing to have a couple of Airbnbs or short term rentals and to manage that as like a side hustle while you you know do your your main jobs. Um, and that's it. That's a lot of work in and of itself. Just managing one property, let alone two full time, is uh, is uh, from the host that we've talked to. At least I'm not a host myself. It's a full time gig, right? It's a full time part time mm-hmm. gig for many people, as I like to say. Um, and yeah. it's an, yeah. it's entirely different to decide. Hey, what if we build a whole like collective here? Like, what if we what if we build a brand around more than just a couple of these short term rentals? So walk us through the arrival story. Like at what point do you all decide, Hey, we kind of like this. Maybe we should take it to the next level. Like what were the events that led up to that decision? So it wasn't really planned um, to, <laughs> to, to start. I mean, we were, we were happy, you know, just living in mission beach and having, having the income from the Rockaway house. It was doing really well. Um, part of that, that it was doing really well as our neighbors in mission beach, they kind of noticed they're like, Hey, there's people at your house all the time. Like there's not so many people at my house sometimes. Like what's, what's the difference here? And we both, I should preface both houses on either side of the Rockaway house are vacation. Rentals yeah. As they well. had been with, with other managers. And so anyways, we just kind of got to the conversation with them where we thought we could manage it. It was especially easy for us because we were living right there and you know, they were immediately adjacent to us. So we, um, yeah, we kind of took that plunge with, with one of them first and a couple months later, the other one, you know, signed on and, and away we went. We, um, and then kind of simultaneously, we had a friend of ours who lives out or sorry, doesn't live, but had a vacation rental out in La Quinta, like Palm Springs area. Okay. And she was also not having a great experience with kind of a big box property manager. So we teamed up with my dad, who's local uh, to La Quinta, and started managing for her um, remotely. And we still work really closely with my dad with um, a lot of the properties that we have in the Coachella Valley. But yeah, it's just kind of this word of mouth. like Those three kind of came all at once. And then a few months went by and it was going well. And then other people started to ask us, you know, and what about me, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah. so that's where really things started to take off. And we I, started getting into a lot of people approaching us and saying, okay, I want to have an Airbnb. Like, what do I do? Yeah. And so yeah. we would kind of give them tips on what to look for an investment property. And then they, um, would go and purchase it and we would do all the setup for them and design and then, you know, down to like the last knife and fork in the drawer and then manage it for them. Wow. And so it was kind of this, we called it a full service curation. And we did, I think four of those and it just, people just kind of kept telling their friends and more people wanted to do it. And yeah, we never advertised ever, um, you know, and we've always just taken, taken word of mouth business. And so I don't know. And, and we like it that way. We, we yeah. f- found a lot of great clients who are really partners. You know, we, yeah. we work together with them to make sure, you know, their interests are being met with the house. And, and, and so it's, uh, it's been going well. What's so interesting about what you all are doing too, is I, I feel like there's this, 
there's this moment right now. And I don't know if it's, you know, older millennials, younger Gen Xers, maybe even, you know, boomers who are, have, you know, never really got into the real estate game and, or like are, are slow, a little bit slower to get into the real estate game, but there's like this new, like, oh my gosh, we can get into the real estate game while also getting a vacation, a vacation rental that our family can use. And it's Mm -hmm. almost like it makes the, the lake house purchase or the beach house purchase that normally, you know, multiple, multiple family members might go in on together it becomes a little bit more accessible for a single family to be able to, it's still hard, right. But to be able to afford a second home, if they know that, you know, 75% of the year or whatever it is, they can list it on a short-term rental property site and rely mm-hmm. on it, it being booked. It, it like, it just opens up, I think the market to become much more accessible for people to have more than just a, a primary residence. And it sounds like you guys have kind of like, landed in the right place at the right time with all these other people that are saying, Hey, I want to do something like this. I, you know, mm-hmm. might have the capital to do it, but I don't have the know-how, right? Like, and, and mm-hmm. right. There, there are a lot of management companies out there that, that suck, quite frankly. Right. And like you, you, you talked about the big box guys, right? Like there, I mean, there, I won't name names on this podcast, but when you're scrolling through Airbnb, you, you recognize uh, a lot of the same names that, mm-hmm. that come up. And in our experience, uh, having stayed in, you know, 55 or so Airbnbs over the last year, the one we've only stayed at a couple where a management company, like a larger management company, um, more recognizable, I should say, management company um, was involved. And th- those days, unfortunately, were like the worst, right? Like, uh, no, they just bad. don't, they don't treat you like you want to be treated. Um, you're, you're just a pain. It, it feels like you're at a hotel, right? And and you're going to yeah. Airbnb for, for more than just a stay, you're going for an experience. And mm-hmm. so I'm all over the place right now. But basically, what I what I'm getting at is, you know, it, it, it's one thing to start managing a couple properties here and there. It's another to decide, hey, let's like, let's really do this. Like let's, let's build a whole brand around it. Right. Like you guys could be managing all this without having a website, for instance, right? Like you could, you could have been doing all this without having the ability for folks to book directly. Right. You could, you could solely rely on Airbnb, VRBO, you know, uh, of the world to, to manage uh, the, the guest booking experience. So at what point in time do you decide like, no, 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 let's, let's really try to like make our mark. Like, let's really try to like build our own thing and we could, we'll still use the, the, the primary platforms, but we don't need the primary platforms in order to um, deliver a, a, an exceptional guest experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we, we just kind of realized as, as we acquired, you know, management of a few properties that we, we had a formula that was working, you know, all the properties were, were booked pretty well, solidly. And so the website really just, it, it's a brand to, to appeal to guests. It's also a brand that we, we can show potential, you know, owner clients and yeah. say, Hey, you know, here's what the portfolio looks like. It's all in one place. And, and, you know, there's some consistency and some, cohesion to, you know, all the properties we put together. So I think the brand like identity though really started with Rockaway because it it wasn't necessary necessarily that we wanted 
Rockaway to become this all-encompassing brand. But when we first started with Rockaway, we wanted it to have its own vibe. You know, we we had this idea where we wanted guests to walk in and say like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, this is the Rockaway house, you know? And and I think that that just kind of snowballed as we grew. Yeah. 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 So on that note, right, as you've grown your portfolio, like how how do you ensure that because you, your brand is behind it, right? Like how how do you ensure that there's some level of uh, consistency in the experience that mm-hmm. you're that you're helping to create for folks, while also like having unique character? Because each of these properties, yeah. you know, as I've seen on your website, like they're different. Like they're different sizes. They're in different locations. They're you know they're different types of homes. So how do you guys strike that balance? I think, you know, as far as quality and consistency goes, we've, we've, one of the reasons we haven't advertised is just because we wanted to take growth slowly. We don't ever want to compromise on our quality. So we've, we've taken on, you know, some assistants that help us, but Kylie and I are still very active, very hands-on with all the properties and just ensuring that they're, you know, when the guest walks in, it's that experience from the photos. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the key is like, you know, we, we hear a lot that like, Oh, it, it, it really just looks like the photos. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, <laughs> um, there's, there's experiences out there where, you know, there's deception happening in, in listing photos. And, and so that's one, I mean, as far as, as far as then. Them kind- all like, you know, basically when, when we have, there's, there's two kind of avenues for adding properties on. So during our onboarding process, it's either going to be a, you know, a full service curation where it's, you know, the investor just purchased the home and it's either vacant or it's partially furnished or whatever, or it's an existing rental that we're taking over the management for. And in the curation, you know, we just, we spend a lot of time just in the house, getting the feel of the house. Like, this sounds like so like woo woo and kind of weird, but like, what does the house want to be? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you don't want to take the bones of like a Spanish house and try and make it a super modern house. Yeah. But um but there can be like a common thread between all of them. And that's just, there's intention behind the design and it's not like overly decorated and overly accessorized. You really have like, this plant was put here like for this reason. (laughs) And that's kind of how we approach designing a space. And I think having that approach, even when we go into an existing rental and we kind of fix it, not fix it, but There's improve a, it. Yeah. Whenever we have that intention in mind. Still. Yeah. We we've taken over rentals from, from other managers and we always just do kind of that time, you know, exercise of just seeing the house, spending time in it. And we find things, you know, we, we've kind of learned, you know, the, the high impact pieces that, that guests really like. And, and if they aren't there, then we suggest that the owner add them. You know, yeah, and we can kind of back that story up with with our past experience. So um, there is there is like a night and day difference between like you when you walk into a space, especially like for people who you know there's a growing number of hosts out there that are trying to optimize space for you know nomads or or people that can you know work from wherever. Like the expectation is like people are going to come. They'll take you know a couple days of vacation, but they'll actually stay longer if they can also work in your space uh, as a lot Mm -hmm. of people have more flexibility with, you know, where and and when they work. And Mm -hmm. uh, 
as I like to, (laughs) my wife and I like to refer to ourselves as like professional guests. Um, And one of the things that like we've observed, right, is that when you're in a space, you really can tell whether it was, whether something was put somewhere intentionally or accidentally, right? And I I do Mm -hmm. think that like, it's it's so fun, for example, like when you sit down at at like a, a table, right? And then you look to your left and you see an outlet for like your phone, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it seems like such a small thing, but the, the trigger that it sends, uh, at least to my brain is like, whoa, this person intended for somebody to work here, right? That's awesome, mm-hmm. right? And it, it almost like elevates your, your feeling toward the entire space when you, when you can tell that there's been intentionality put behind why there's an outlet here, why there's, you know, a, a water pitcher there, oh, this is the, you know, uh, this is why they put the dishwasher here, right? And I know this is probably like a little geeky or whatnot, but for me, what it what it just speaks to is it's a reflection of, of the host, right? And like, it's a reflection of how they how they think about space and who they're trying to create space for. So all, that's a long mm-hmm. way of just affirming, affirming your all's points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we, we thought, thought, thought exactly the same way. You know, you, you have to think like a guest would and, and, and do those things, you know, that guests are going to get value from. So that's, that's been a big part of, of how we set up spaces. So I, I have a couple final questions for you both. First and foremost, you know, when you think about the diversity of spaces that you all have, and you've, you've talked on this a little bit, but what is what is sort of the arrivals experience that you hope all of your guests will walk away with, regardless of like which property they choose to stay in? I think I think it goes kind of circles back again to intentionality and, you know, when we have intention with the design, we also have intention with the guest experience and being able to kind of like curate that in advance and replicate it for every single guest. That's our goal. And we do that through, you know, authentic messaging. So, you know, we have our, our like pre-saved message that every guest gets um, after they book, but we, take the time to go in and say, we're happy to host you and your family or, you know, happy anniversary or like just little yeah, things yeah. like that take 10 seconds extra of your time, but they're so appreciated or, you know, sending links to our blog posts with local recommendations and, and things like that. So they can help prepare for their stay. And, and then, you know, continuing into, you know, making sure that you're available or you're, it's known that you're available and they're not afraid to reach out to you if you have any sort of questions. It just makes it. We want, we want, always want like a personal touch. You know, if, if a guest wants it, we're, we're, we're not like in your face with, you know, anything. Um, but, but we make sure that everyone knows that, that we're here to help. You know, if there's a question, we write really thorough guests, like house manuals, you know, about how everything works and, you know, just back to kind of thinking, thinking in, in the way a guest would of how they approach the house and, and how, how we can help, you know, if they, they need something. That's incredible. And what I would just add that I think that I forgot to mention earlier, but um, one of the things I always pay attention to is when, when hosts do leave like a, 
gift, like a welcome, you know, something or, or other, first of all, that's not expected. And I think that for, in lots of cases, there's, there's no need to do that. But for the hosts that do decide to leave like a bottle of wine or, you know, a couple of beers or whatever it might be, I always wonder like, how do folks decide what to leave and specifically like the, the brand of thing to leave. And, you know, I'm, I'm always intrigued, especially when you open the fridge and it's something local, like a, a local, you know, brewery or, um, you know, even sort of like a, a, a local bakery. Some we've had instances where, where hosts will leave, you know, muffins from the bakery down, down the street and whatnot. And there always seems to be like, intention behind what was left so i'm curious like for for properties where you all do leave like welcome gifts of some sort like how do you decide what to leave it's been interesting because when we were living downstairs uh you know it was a lot easier to be a lot more personal with that you know, we, we've grown and things have, it's gotten harder to stay as personal as we were. Sure, um, sure. But we still do like to purchase local things. Like in San Diego, we leave a couple local San Diego beers. Usually there's some breweries in the Palm Springs area. We, we shop, you know, from, from those breweries to, to just give a local touch. You know, yeah. it's something when it comes to snacks, it's like, well... We don't have time you know, to go to the local bakery. <laughs> I wish we did, you know. Yeah. But so we, we do have. So we have a couple of thirty-day rentals. There's some regulations in a couple of different markets that limit people to um, to thirty days or more, thirty-one days or more. And so for those, I get to be a little bit more creative because we leave a larger snack basket. Yeah. So I literally will go and say like, okay, who's staying? Like, okay, it's an older couple from the Midwest, or it's like a hipster looking couple from like Pacific Northwest and what would they like? And that's been kind of fun to like pick yeah. out like different, different drinks or different snacks and, you know. Things yeah. Like and that. I mean, I think we, we hope people kind of notice that, you know, they think, Oh, that's, that's a cool time. Maybe you they know? don't. But... <laughs> Some no, people no, probably do. don't care. They do. You know, but, they do. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we just, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's fun. And it's, it's an easy thing, you know, it's, so as property managers, that's something we do you know, part of our own expense. It's a service we provide. And, and we just think it just brings just that little extra checkbox, you know, into someone's mind when they decide if they're satisfied, you know, with the stay or not. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's, I think especially when you're trying to build a brand and a reputation for like, what is an arrival stay, right? Like, what are the, mm-hmm. what are the unique attributes that you want people to walk away with? And not everyone pays as close attention to all this stuff as, you know, as, as some might, but I do think that there is something to be said for hosts who are trying to do what you guys are doing, which is like form their own collectives, form their own, you know, collections and and build a brand around not just one or two properties, but 10, 20, maybe, you know, 30 plus properties. And I do think that that Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, it inspires the question, what do we want the experience of our stays uh, to feel like, to look like, um, and I think that the, the, you know, the welcome gifts of sorts uh, are also a reflection. They're an extension of like your brand promise, so to speak. Sure. Mm-hmm. So final question for you both is what is the vision for arrivals over the next two to three years? Like we, are we content with mm-hmm. kind of where we're at? We just want to, you know, manage these properties that we have and, and do so well. Do we want to expand? Do we want to contract and get more exclusive? Like, Talk to us about where you guys see your brand evolving in the next couple of years. 
Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I can start, I guess. Yeah, we we um, have always kind of had the same mentality around growth that we talked about before. Like it's just slow and steady and taking things as we, they come and being selective. And our goal for Arrivals as a brand is not to be a big box company. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't want to have hundreds, thousands of of properties in you know markets across the country. We we want to stay small and boutique. Um, and I think keeping it smaller, it's not because we don't want to have more properties, but it allows us the time to expand the brand in other avenues besides mm. just growing more properties. Um, so, for example, we are in the next few weeks starting a YouTube channel. Nice. And our YouTube channel is going to be directed towards other hosts and kind of teaching them the tricks and tips that we've learned along the way and the growing pains that we've experienced along the way. Um, so that's something that we're working on. And yeah, we get we get a lot of questions from people, you know, just I have a friend in Germany. He's, he's considering setting up an Airbnb and he's like, you know, tell me all the things. And so we've we've just found ourselves with this knowledge that we've built up over time. And and, you know, there's there's two paths. We could continue growing the business and we, we will continue growing our por portfolio of properties. But that takes up more of our own personal time, you know. And, and so one of the things we've kind of seen with the YouTube is you can get exposure you know, share your knowledge and, and, you know, m tons of people can be infinite amount of people can really consume benefit that. It, it. Yeah. Benefit and consume that information. So that's, you know, that's a valuable and rewarding experience for us that we look forward to. I mean, who knows how it's going to go. Um, but, uh, and we want to grow our personal portfolio a little bit more as well. Yeah. Um, we have our sites on a, a couple markets that we'd like to dip our toes into. Um, so, yeah, couple, yeah, I think we'll just keep slow and steady growth. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, you know, on the verge of, of we've had some part time assistance. We're on the verge of probably taking on someone full time, um, you know, that just is doing what we do. You know, we can kind of groom them, hopefully to have the same eye for details that, w that we have and and just be available, you know, because that's that's the hardest thing is is making ourselves, you know, since we're kind of the primary, you know, workers, uh, making ourselves available, uh, when things, things come up. Well, that's very exciting. And I, I love that you guys are thinking creatively beyond like, what does it look like to expand the brand without necessarily having to dramatically expand the portfolio? And I think that that's, if there's one, you know, bit of advice that I could offer our, our listeners, especially for, for folks that are trying to do you know, or aspire to be where Arrivals is at or build something like you got, you guys have built is at some point, I do think uh, you need to ask yourself, it, it, is, does growth look like more acquisition of property or could growth look like an extension of our brand in different ways? Maybe it's, maybe it's products, right? Like maybe, maybe I, this is silly, but yeah. you know, what does it look like to try to brand and leave stuff that are helpful for people to include in their Airbnbs? And that's an Arrivals yeah. product, right? As opposed to, the way to grow is not synonymous with more property. Um, and I love that you guys mm -hmm. are, you guys are thinking that way. 
Yeah, we, we, we have to, we, we want to, you know, we haven't traveled that much in the last couple of years, just because it's, it's harder, you know, to step away from the business. That's and why you got into this something. too. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> and that, that's, what's interesting. You know, our kids, we want them to grow up with travel experiences and memories. And, and, and so we've, we're kind of planning for how, how that's possible. Well, Kylie and Steven, this has been a blast. Thank you both so much for your hospitality, for coming on the show, for sharing some of your uh, musings and, and stories with us. It's been a, it's been a real pr- uh, pleasure. We're going to go ahead and link your website, your Instagram, all that fun stuff below. So if you're listening to this episode and want to explore Arrival's properties and or just get in touch with Kylie or Steven, you can do so by scrolling down to the show notes. But is there anywhere else folks should reach you? Uh, preferred sort of method of communication or channel besides Instagram or your website? The YouTube's coming. The YouTube is coming. <laughs> yes. We will add the yeah. YouTube. We'll, we'll link the, give you the link to the YouTube, but yeah, I would say, you know, Instagram, email, website. We're always happy, and, you, you know, know, just with, we're open. It's just us, you know, mm-hmm. so you're not going to get funneled to some customer service person. It's always just us. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for your time. And uh, it's a pleasure to, to meet you all. And hey, best of luck as you grow. Can't wait to see that YouTube channel come alive. And um, let us know if there's anything else we can do to help. No, thanks a lot, Zach. It's been, uh, it's been great to just have the chance to talk to someone that has a similar mindset and tell our story. It's great. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe. Um, And thanks in advance. All right, everyone. See you next time.